When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. My name is Adam Russell. When you miss the music for a week, you gotta bop, dude. Just gotta bop. I'm back! It's Rye Guy, your other host. Big news, I'm now Dr. Nick Ambarian. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a hell of a week. <laughs> Doctor's in the house. Yeah. It's convenient because we all thought Ryan was dead, but turns out rumors of his death have been greatly exaggerated. Thanks to Nick for the real science. I'm alive. I tried to become a doctor to revive Ryan, and it worked. Your goals in life are more like out of necessity than ambition, really, but I think yeah. it, it, it's worked for you and it's worked for us, and I think uh, moving forward, we're in a good place. I'm just, I mean, having a doctor on the show. <laughs> I did it for you guys. We just, you know, like we keep upping the level, like getting more plays, like the guests keep getting better, and now we have a doctor. It's like... <laughs> It's just general. It's just, it's not that impressive. It's just like general practitioner. We're gonna peak soon. <laughs> I've been looking for a new primary care anyway, so um, yeah, it's good to have you. You're sick. I can tell right now. You're sick. <laughs> you're supposed to wait till you're 40 to have your first, you know, like digital ex- rectal exam. Yeah. For your prostate, you're supposed to wait till you're 40. It's been it's COVID, so I haven't gone to the doctor because I, you know, because COVID. I just whatever. I don't. I'm not sick, so I haven't gone to the doctor. But I'm 40. And I haven't, I haven't done that physical yet. So we're close, Nick. But I mean, if we're really going to make this bond Beskar steel strong, (laughs) I need a physical and you're going to have to stick your fingers up my butt. That's just, it's going to have to happen. Is it an inspection? Is that what they call it? Yeah. A digital exam. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Exam inspection. Am I a mechanic or a doctor? I don't know. It's creepy because they call it a digital, like, because your your fingers are digitals. (laughs) Yeah. It's creepy. Digital exam. Give me your digits. (laughs) I'm not looking forward to it. That's what you're asking. No, no, I'm not. (laughs) Rumor has it, I've been told by Google that they pushed it back a little bit, more like mid, late 40s now. Well, it runs in my family. Mm. My grandfather on my father's side uh, passed away from it. And uh, my dad is having... Uh, the proceed like the surgery. That's right. Uh, that's in, right. In a couple of weeks, because they found some some cancer there. So he's he's super all good. Like it's the, the earliest treatable version, but still it still sucks. You know. Yeah. To go through it. So either way, that means Bill over here is pretty likely to uh, also have this issue. So whether it's Nick or whoever, some dude's gonna stick his fingers up my butt. I'm on it. It's time to inspect the butt. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you glad I'm back? Yes. <laughs> We just opened the podcast talking about buttholes. <laughs> should we talk about Star Wars? We can do that. I think we should do that. So we are, of course, still right in the middle of The Mandalorian. Season 2, Chapter 12, The Siege, is what we're talking about today. I was into this episode. I was into it. Well, I wasn't around last week because I'm a loser. Loser! But back to back, these are my, probably my two favorite episodes in the whole series so far. Even though this was still adventure adventure of the week-ish, yeah. they dropped two 
like, here's where the story's going, guys. Here we go. Yeah, so, and, and just get you stoked. If the adventure is stormtroopers and tie fighters, I'm way more here for that than dragons mm-hmm. and spiders. <laughs> yeah. And you watch these back to back, like in sequence? I, I watched them both today. Yes. Again, nice. like I watched last week's. I hadn't watched Fridays until today to get ready for the show. Nice. And so I watched them both just now, like before I turned my computer on. Uh, yeah, dude, the, I just, I mean, I said it. If they do more episodes like this, I'll be even more stoked. If they don't, and it's still kind of half and half, I'll still be stoked. But I was surprised. You know, I try like no spoilers. I try to just go through the week without reading or looking at Rotten Tomatoes or anything like that and just watching the episode. So I was pleasantly surprised how this week sort of followed up the week before with just like rad team versus empire. I mean, yeah, yeah, dude, (laughs) so good. And even though there's little to no conflict in this episode that would give it stakes on that level, you know, coupled with chapter 11, it's perfect because there's so much conflict there. There's so much like character conflict and development, like the, the hero of the show being confronted with the idea that everything he believes is bullshit is so big that when you just watch them back to back, you, while being intoxicated by the pew pew Star Wars porn of, of this episode, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Everything's cool. Holy shit, this show's amazing. Yeah. You know? Pew pew. It just looked good too. You yeah. know, like being back on Navarro. Yeah. Very colorful and looked like a, a bustling little little town there. But then there was just something so badass about that, you know, that imperial base yeah. lodged yeah. into the canyon there. Oh, it looked so good. It, lo- it almost looked like a ship that like they, mm-hmm. they parked there. I mean, yeah. no, it wasn't, but it had yeah. that vibe of, yeah, I don't know, it looked like a crashed ship or something. But yeah. Yeah, it was just, so cool. We're going to get into favorites in an hour from now, but like just, <laughs> dude, TIE fighters and stormtroopers. It's like, I mean. Speeder bikes? Hell yeah. Dude. The whole nine. They're really batting a thousand right now. All right, let's talk about the deets. What have you done with those planets? The Mandalorian Chapter 12, The Siege, released Friday, November 20th, directed by Apollo Creed himself, Carl Weathers, written by John Favreau again, starring the usuals, including Carl Weathers as Grief Karga, Gina Carano as Cara Dune, Horatio Sands back as Mithral, Omid Abtahi back as Dr. Pershing, Giancarlo Esposito returning as well as Moff Gideon, and Paul Sun Young Lee as Carson Tiva. 37-minute runtime, 8.6 on IMDb, down a little bit from the 9.2 of the previous week, but dude, 9.2 is hard to hang with. I mean, yeah, you're not uh, name-dropping one of the biggest characters in Star Wars is going to get you some points, and you can't (laughs) do that every week, so. (laughs) But man, it's uh, well-loved from everything. I I don't think we're outliers here. I think everybody's pretty pumped on this one. Gauging Twitter and social media, people seem pretty excited, and we've now officially seen everything that's in the trailer. And we're halfway through the season. So I'm like, should I get my hopes up that we're just going to have four bangers in a row? Like what seven and eight were last season? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are we just going to get five, six, seven, eight of bangers? Or is there still an adventure of the, of the week in there somewhere? I mean, there's a lot to cover that they've set up for now. They're setting up a lot of stuff right now. And, and like Moff Gideon at the at the end of that episode with whatever those troopers, the droid troopers or tr- suits, do we know they were droids or do we, What I mean... They could have been we'll get just- to it, but the consensus is that they're dark troopers, which I, from the little bit of reading I did was from a video game called Dark Forces, I believe. Okay. 
Sweet. That's 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 above my pay grade. I do not know that. I'm on board regardless. There's not much above your pay grade, so and you knew the, and you knew what you just said and I didn't, so you deserve every penny. <laughs> I'm an out of work musician, so uh, my pay grade is everything's above my pay grade. <laughs> so this is the first time that the three of us have talked about it in, in a couple of weeks. So, you know, I like that too, that we're not spoiling the conversation before we get on the podcast so I can sound like an idiot in real time. <laughs> what do you guys feel about the cloning, you know, in at the installation and the blood? And I mean, are we feeling like there's some serious Rise of Skywalker explanation going on here that that's Palpatine clone tech that we're looking at? That's 100% where yeah. my mind went, yeah. I mean, I, I immediately thought that when I saw it. And I was hoping that when I brought it up, you guys were going to be like, no, actually, dude, it's from page 384 of a novel that came out in 1987. <laughs> but yeah, I just, as soon as the tanks showed up like on, on screen with the bodies inside of them, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, this yeah. is explaining Palp's yeah. soul projection clone plan. And that's what they're after all along. And, and yeah. Gideon is like his servant. I'm into that. I do have one other thing. I think that that's very, very, very highly likely. I feel like there's an option here that Moff Gideon wants to inject himself with the force and they're they're testing it on whatever was in those those in that lab. I like that. I like that too. I think either one of those things where we're if we go in either direction, they both could be right. That would be such like a a straight comic book villain move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. But the only reason I lean I was leaning in watching the episode and I went back and watched the scene a second time towards the Palpatine thing is just the way that we know now they struggled with the bodies, you know, mm -hmm. holding midichlorian in, in a clone. And he talks about more M-rich blood. So yeah, Nick, that, that could definitely be what yeah. you're saying too. Like, well, it can't hold it, so it's not going to work on you. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I feel like I lean towards the Palpatine one. Like this is you know, it's 25 years away from when totally. he shows yeah. up. So they're like just starting to try to figure it out. And he just died. Mm -hmm. So it's like the early stages of putting him back together, finding yeah. a clone host, you know? I'm stoked on either either of those options. It's so awesome. Yes, either one I'm down. Or both. I mean, it could be like this cloning thing is just, it's just a thing that they've been doing, the Republic turned empire and so on. And since Palpatine had that body ready that he, shot his soul load into when he died and, and that's yeah. just rolling along the, the clone evolution and it could end up leading us directly into the rise of skywalker but in the meantime gideon could very well be trying to get a little piece of that pie yeah it, i don't think they're mutually exclusive is what i'm saying mm -hmm. all right let's do the synopsis because we can talk about this more after it's going to be hard to stop so here we go Last week, we closed Chapter 11 with Din and the child jumping into hyperspace in the Razor Crest, heading to the planet Corvus to find Ahsoka Tano. Holy shit. <laughs> we opened Chapter 12 with the cutest father-son car repair scene in the history of film and television. <laughs> Let's yeah. just agree on that right now. And also, didn't hit this in talking points just now, or like, but for sure, the most vocal the child has been in any episode yeah. to date. It was a lot. I hope there's more of that because he really was starting to sort of vocalize in every scene that he was in, like conversationally, like, give me the cookie. <laughs> there's this one little thing that a couple syllables that he keeps saying, he keeps going. Ato? Yeah. Ato, ato? Mm -hmm. It's really cute. It's the best. <laughs> the razor crest has broken down again, but this time Din has the child under the hood doing repairs. The child seems to have learned English well enough to understand his little commands well enough to pull out the wires that Din wants him to, but not well enough to understand where to plug them back in. 
The repair project goes up in smoke. You see that pun I did right there? Like it. And Din decides <laughs> that they need more help. How'd you like to go back to Navarro? He asked the child. Such like a dad rhetorical question. Like, you don't have an option. How'd you like to go? We're, we're going, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so, back on Navarro, we find a group of real bad dudes all up in the armory of the former Mandalorian covert acting like they own the damn place. They're counting loot. They're about to eat somebody's pet ferret for dinner. These guys suck. I was real nervous for you, Adam, <sighs> when that scene started. I was real nervous, man, when they pulled that thing out of that cage. I was like, no. Nah, I was nervous, too. No. Nah. And then the cleaver... Yeah. In the air, like, I'm going, oh, poor Adam had to watch this little thing get murdered. But no, they saved your ass. Thank you, John Favreau, for not following through. The marshal saved your ass. Even though I know you wanted to make a Cubano sandwich out of that little bastard. Just as they're about to chop the poor little weasel's head off, Caradune busts in and lays down the law. There's a new marshal in town, folks, and this one doesn't wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the Razor Crest, still in rough shape. The ship lands on Navarro, greeted by Grief Karga and Caradune. Din asks for some help with repairs, and Grief sends over some mechanics to start working on the ship right away. Grief and Kara are both super happy to see the child. They start playing baby time. And as the scene closes out, one of the mechanics, an alien dude with little goggles on, we get a shot of him looking right at the camera. Kind of shady looking. Shady dude. Interesting that we get a shot of him before we cut back to the crew. As Din, Grief, and Kara walk through a now bustling Navarro, Grief tells Din about how they've been cleaning up the town. Kara is Marshal of Navarro, Grief is back in office as Magistrate, and the cantina, once used as an imperial hideaway, is now a school. Great place to leave the child while the adults go do adult stuff. I feel like it looked a little uh, Batu-ish, don't you? Totally, dude. It did. Good job. The clothes they were wearing, too, styled very much like locals of Batu. Also, (laughs) like Batu, a bunch of humans. (laughs) You notice that? The classroom. Yeah. All humans. It was. It was all human students, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. So they plop down the child in the first available seat and peace out, as is tradition. We got stuff to do. (laughs) Here's your babysitter for the episode. The child is yet again too hungry to function and immediately fixated on another student's snack. They're like blue... Macarons. uh, Dipped double stuff Oreos. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe deep fried, but in like a... Thin mint sleeve. Thin mint, yeah. yeah. And a thin mint tin foil sleeve. Yeah. Kind of aluminum foil sleeve thing. <laughs> but they did. They look like Oreos. They had like totally. a middle section. I kind of wanted one. Do you know that they're not macaroons? They're macarons. Macarons. <laughs> macarons. I looked that up today. You could just straight up find those in, in Whole Foods. Someone was just like, we need, we need cookie. All right. Well, I wanted one of those blue <laughs> macarons. The child wants them too. He's begging for them, but this student is a dick. I'm sorry this kid is a dick. He He's takes like, so long to say no. He said, no. That was a long scene for what it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it was, I knew what was coming. So I was like, I'm fine with this because he's about to straight force eat these cookies. But it took forever for him to just go, no. But after being shut down like a true fatty, the child uses the force to snatch the cookies, not to help take down the crate dragon or the knobby spiders, <laughs> to get cookies is why he's using the force. I'm hungry. In this season. Priorities. The crew heads over to Grief's office to talk business, where they're greeted by the Mithral from Chapter 1, who's now apparently an indentured servant of Grief. More on that later. For 350 years. Rough. That's a sentence. Grief and Kara asked in for help taking down the last remaining Imperial base on Navarro. They want the Empire out. They want it completely off-world so they can make it a fully safe place, independently run, free from outside rule. As you would expect, Mando agrees, because if not, where the hell's the episode go? So they hop into Speeder and head to the Imperial base. The Mithral's driving, of course, because, again, he's an indentured servant. Sucks for him. 
And grief's going to be around in 350 years to keep <laughs> yeah, what's with that? imposing the sentence. <laughs> the crew arrives at a seemingly unoccupied base and tries to break in to no avail. Grief orders the Mithril to help get the hell out of the speeder, help Kara and me unlock this door. Din jetpacks up to a landing platform above to look for another way in. Moments later, a stormtrooper splats down on the ground next to them and the door opens. It's an elevator. The three board the elevator and head up to meet Din. The base turns out to be more heavily occupied than they'd thought, but the crew wastes no time. Their plan is to drain the cooling lines of the base's reactor, which will cause it to explode, apparently. Is the idea that it's, it's just going to overheat? Yeah, it's like a, yeah. Like, a, like a reactor, you know, like a nuclear reactor that's being, or, or, a, or a bucket of lava, whatever, yeah. but it's being kept cool by whatever coolant is running through there. Yeah, and like you turn that off and the lava is just going to overflow. Is that the idea? Or it's just going to overheat and the whole thing's just going to... Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if it's just keeping the, that lava at a certain temperature, you know, like containing mm-hmm. it, it's still lava, but it's like, and then if you turn it off, it's just like eruption status. I don't know. They should have explained this for 30 straight minutes so we wouldn't be <laughs> so confused. <laughs> if it's an hour, if it makes it an hour long episode yeah. and half of it is me watching someone tell me how a base is built, yeah. I'm going to watch that. If you need more details, just watch Chernobyl and act like that's <laughs> True. Uh, a sidebar. So they get in room by room. They take the base. They storm the control room and find the location of the heat shaft that houses the reactor. Grief, who can't stop barking orders at this mithril, says, go turn off the reactor, alarm sound, crew starts running for the exit, it's happening. As they rush through the halls of the base, they run into two Imperial scientists working frantically to erase a bunch of data drives. The scientists start firing at the crew, a shootout ensues, but the heroes quickly blast their way through the scientist, and Bob's your uncle. (laughs) (laughs) The crew realizes at that point, this is no military base, it's a lab. That's no moon. Kara now starts barking orders at Mithral, tells him to hack into the system and find out what's going on. Doesn't she seem particularly interested? Like, she's the one that's like, yeah, hold up. for sure. I wonder if there's something to that. Yeah, like she cares all of a sudden about right. what's going on in there. He hacks in and they discover a hollow message from Dr. Pershing. He's back with his glasses. Only person in Star Wars with glasses. <laughs> it's like the cleanest hollow I've ever seen, too, in Star Wars. Real talk. It was, it was like, FaceTime HD, hollow HD. (laughs) He got that upgrade. This is big. Seeing his face was like, oh shit. We expected he would be back, but it was oh shit nonetheless. Din assumes that the hollow is old because Dr. Pershing refers to Moff Gideon, who they'd all assumed was dead. No, this recording's three days old, the Mithral says. Din immediately fears that if Gideon's alive, he'll want the child. So he goes to peace out. But in an instant, a group of stormtroopers rush in and open fire. Like that's going to be a problem ever for anyone on this show. (laughs) But they knock them out quickly. They're all like the best shots in the world. And stormtroopers are, of course, terrible. So Din takes off to secure the child as Grief, Kara, and the Mithril start blasting their way through the halls of the base to escape. The crew makes their way to the landing pad where they commandeer a Trexler Marauder. A big tank-like armored speeder kind of thing. And they jump that shit right off the cliff. Like Rod Kimball. Who wants to see me do a big ass stunt? <laughs> but they're immediately pursued by scout troopers on speeder bikes. Big trench run vibes here as the speeders chase them through a canyon. Grief mans the turret, starts blasting. This, I mean, this whole thing is like very OT. You know what I'm saying? Oh, very, for sure. Very Millennium Falcon, very trench run. Grief manages to destroy all the speeders. They think they're home free. But right as they're about to celebrate, a squadron of TIE fighters appear and start firing on them. They're kind of screwed. Grief manages to take out one of the TIEs, but they're in deep shit. 
because the tie that he took out goes tumbling toward the speeder, kind of rolls over the top and takes out their turret. So they're completely defenseless. They're just kind of trying to weave and get out of there and make it home before the ties totally knock them out. They make their way out of the canyon finally. The town's in sight, but the ties are closing fast. And just as the lead tie is about to pull the trigger, the Razor Crest swoops in like the Millennium Falcon and starts blasting the ties out of the sky. That's too yummy, kid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and insert my Top Gun quote here. What's it going to be? Fabric's <laughs> reengaging, sir. <laughs> the child is in the passenger seat having a blast like a kid on a roller coaster. And just like any kid on a roller coaster who didn't listen to his parents, he should have waited 30 minutes to let his food settle. Because <laughs> he puked. He puked up those blue Oreos. <laughs> in like, it's great. There could be a straight on shot of him pooping right dead center butthole in the frame. And I'd be like, oh, isn't that the cutest thing? It's Look somehow, at it. I, I keep talking about this. I'm like, how is this not cheesy yet? Yeah. It's adorable. <laughs> yeah. It's more and more adorable, everything he does. I'm like, this this is insane how I don't think this is corny. It's amazing. Because they do it just the right amount. Yeah. That's yep. why it's... Yeah. So they win. Everyone goes back to town and back in Grief's office, they're all chilling. And an X-Wing pilot, Carson Tiva, that we mentioned earlier, who we met in chapter 10, is uh, kind of giving Grief the shakedown about the Razor Crest, trying to figure out where it is. Grief isn't about to give him anything. He gives him the old, uh, well, I mean, it's off the book. So he kind of just brushes him off. We next see um, the X-Wing pilot outside talking to Cara Dune. There's a good little moment where he kind of commends her for her great job cleaning up Navarro and says he could really use her skills in the New Republic, but she's not down. It's a good moment that we'll talk about later. She says, I'm not a joiner, Blue. Love that quote. Tiva's kind of talking about something in the outer rim kind of brewing. Talks about no one really believing it in the core worlds. This I thought was cool because it, it feels like an extension of Clone Wars and Rebels. Because they talk a, a little bit about that. It, it's interesting how they, they get into like the politics of it without it being dry. Like yeah. it's been in some other places, which mm-hmm. is cool. Because it is important, I think, to know, just like everything else in Star Wars, it's all about execution. So like mm-hmm. the plot of politics is going to be in there, whether you're watching the prequels or New Republic taking over fascist regi- regime like uh, the Empire. There's going to be politics, you know, yeah. but it's all going to be about execution. In the final scene on an Imperial ship, we see a hollow conversation between an Imperial officer and the alien mechanic who repaired the Razor Crest. There he is. Sick ship, too, by the way. Like what it was like half Star Destroyer, kind of yeah. had a like Corellian cruiser front, like a Falcon yeah. kind of front. Dude, it was sick. Whatever it is, it was sick. It was like a compact SUV. Yeah, yeah. It was like a crossover <laughs> Star Destroyer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was something so sick about the sound mix there, too, where you have, like, the deep nothingness of space, but then yeah. a very low but, like, ubiquitous hum of the ship. Yep. It was so cool. Best part about sci-fi is sounds, because there is no sound <laughs> in space. Yeah. So it's just every explosion, every laser, <laughs> every single movie ever made, that's just artistic license. Yeah. And everyone's just okay with it. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is going to blow up in space. It's going to be the loudest <laughs> nuclear bomb sound ever <laughs> when it would literally be dead silent. The mechanic confirms that, quote, the device has been planted. The officer reports to Moff Gideon that a tracking device has been installed on Din's ship and the child is on board. Odang. The old tracking fob. Here comes Odang number two. The camera pulls back to reveal Moff Gideon inspecting a room full of mysterious, dark, trooper-like figures. Even Nick's dog is pumped about it. <laughs> Credits roll. That was great. I'm into it, man. Good-ass episode. Yeah, I really did. Like I said earlier, I I think that Adventure of the Week with two plot devices 
intertwined in there. Like, I'm all for it. Carl Weathers, good job directing Star Wars, bud. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the rest of the season is going to stick with this. I don't know. I, I just, I feel like. Don't you get that feeling? Yeah, because they're feeling digging in. They're digging yeah. in on, on this storyline now. And mm-hmm. it's like, how about this, though? They definitely set up for it to go either way next week because the child and Din are off again, you know? Yeah. We're flying to Corvus and oh, we, we got to get out of this bucket of syrup on the way, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. So who knows what could happen? But I, I feel like with with half the season gone, right? Or how, how many episodes are we in? Yeah. Yeah. We're halfway. Halfway. It, there's a lot to tie up now that we've seen Gideon, Moff Gideon and and maybe the Emperor's first clones. And I mean, that's it's sick, dude. But in my mind, there's not a lot of room for Monsters of the Week going forward. If there is, it's going to sting. Unless it was like this, where it's like, well, here's two more major plot points for you to to consider what's going to happen over the next either the rest of the season, season three, season four, whatever it is. They're definitely barreling towards a bunch of bigger storylines. So it's coming and I don't know when, but I'm I'm here for it. It seems really awesome. The cloning stuff this week really made me think they're really going for it. Like they're, they're going to yeah. really get into some serious epic fan service yeah. type stuff yeah. in the best possible way. You know, I mean, they're really going to dig in and go, why not? Why would, why would we not go all the way with all of this mm-hmm. shit? The question is, are we going to get like a two part episode in this season or are we going to end, you know, are they going to pull like a couple seasons in you get, you know, you close the season with part one, you open the next one with part two. Yeah. You know, you do a little like world building and then, the stakes get higher. You bring enough stuff into this now new world or part of the world. You've got everyone's eyes and everyone's attention. Then you can pull that kind of shit. Are we building to that? And at any time, Filoni's influence on this could be even more prominent in, in the idea behind the arcs in the Clone Wars, where you have three to five episodes that are fully connected more than any of these have been. These are connected by the child, but there hasn't been a storyline that's carried from one episode to the next. Yeah, and I I don't see why that couldn't be, especially getting into what is coming. I mean, we're Ahsoka yeah. Tano is about to be on the show. How crazy is that? We haven't injected Jedi yeah. yet. Like yeah. she's going to be on the show. That that can't just be like Friday night. Okay, next week the <laughs> lizard from whatever planet. You know, no, no. I can't emotionally handle that. It can't be like here she is, there she went. No, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Speaking of. Ryan, give them the update. You're deep into Clone Wars now. Yeah, I'm in season five, so I'm 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 towards the beginning of it though. But I mean, Maul is back. Savage just lost his arm. Hell yeah! And, and I'm yeah, I'm getting through it. It's exciting. Fun fact: the person who voices Savage is the same dude who uh, played Berg, the Deveronian, in Chapter Six. Nice. Same guy. Yeah, I've re- I've recognized his voice the whole time. He was on. I think he's been in a lot of stuff, but I think he was on like Sons of Anarchy or one of those types of shows. Possibly was, the one thing I remember him from specifically is Shawshank Redemption. He's one of the like mm-hmm. prison guard dudes. Yeah, I, I'm 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 deep in it, man. And you were not lying when you talked about how it just starts to get there in three and four. Mm-hmm. And now, full disclosure, I struggle with some of it because it's a little cartoony for me. I, I like it's just oh, totally. It's yeah. it's hard for me to really just be like, oh my god. But in the last five or six episodes, there have been multiple like, wow, yeah, moments. Some of know? the best Star Wars. Yes, and also totally. just murder, just death <laughs> and murder, yeah. dude. Like where the first couple seasons, there was like 
pew, pew. And then kind of, oh, maybe they shot a droid and it blew up. Now it's just like, it could be like a child. It could be a kid on the show yeah. <laughs> and Maul just going to walk up behind him and, and ignite his lightsaber through his guts. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and there's so much of that happening now. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm into it, dude. Loving it. When is the Mandalorian arc when? So I've only seen the, the main, the, the first one, the arc with, um, where Obi-Wan and, and Satine, they talk about their relationship and everything, right? right? Right, like where you learn that Obi-Wan maybe had a little friend girl back in the day. And and it ends with Anakin showing up. Do you remember this? Yes. So speaking of murder, neither Satine nor Obi-Wan can pull the trigger. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, and Anakin just, bla- just straight ends them. Does exactly what you said. Yes. And he's like, what? He was going to blow up the whole ship. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, but that you're starting to see that stuff with Anakin too, which is like, yeah. dude, I mean, that's what I'm here for. And, and the yeah. first one I texted the group about it was in season three when they just straight played the Imperial March. Yeah. <laughs> the first time you see him force choke someone and it's like in an interrogation and he just walks in and is like, bad cop, bad cop. Like, please leave <laughs> yeah. the room. I got to take care of something. And it, dude, it was slow. It was like, bum, 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 bum. It was like so dark. Yes. Dude. It's so good. Chills. Chills. I'm going to finish by Friday for sure. I'm going to start it and finish it by Friday. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'm really going to, I want to watch all of seven season, uh, season seven. So yeah. those of you out there in, in TV land that are listening to this radio show, uh, <laughs> we got a really killer article that we found in our, in our thank the maker group chat. I think it's Nerdist. I think it was on Nerdist.com. Mm-hmm. It's titled like the 15 most essential Clone Wars episodes and arcs. Did we put it in the show notes last week? I don't, I, I wasn't here. I don't know. We may have. Well, either that's what I'm going on. And I read the article about it and, and I actually saw some stuff on Reddit. Like people really say like, yeah, this is a legit list because there's a lot of cartoon. There is. There's a lot of cartoon <laughs> that I don't, I want like where to, what does this really matter to Star Wars? Like what, what's, how does this affect the overall story? Yeah. And if someone else smarter than me took the time to dissect all seven seasons to say this or all six seasons, I guess, when this article came out, here's what you need to watch. So I'm trying to finish that, that bait, which is, I think, 38 episodes instead of 100 and whatever it was, mm-hmm. yeah. and then watch all of seven, season seven. I, w- I want to watch the final season all the mm-hmm. way through. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm fully, fully on board, and hopefully I don't catch too much flack for being a cheater and not watching the whole thing. But No, man, you're watching the important shit. I'm a busy dude, and I, I want to get what I got to get out of it, you know? I would call myself a Clone Wars fan, but so, so much of it is disposable, yeah, you know, okay. like for sure. But then again, some of it is the best Star Wars that there is, for sure. I don't feel like anything I've watched once I got that list has been disposable. Everything I've watched has been like just epic and Mm -hmm. holy shit moments. Yeah. Especially finding out that Zabrak don't have any waste or reproductive organs because they mm-hmm. you can be cut in half, bandaged up, and turned into a metal spider, <laughs> and then that can get removed, and a witch can put more fancy legs on you, but all the while knowing that for years you haven't had to go to the bathroom. You just haven't had to deal with that. Not an issue. Not an issue. Does not going into the bathroom, that, that doesn't sound that bad, honestly. I'm curious how they further their, their line. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Seems like the sisters come, like the night sisters come and like bang them down. You know what I mean? They, they run that place. The female, they say like the female has always been dominant here. So they just show up and are like, yo boy, let's do this. <laughs> but how do they do it? Because I mean, there was no feeding tubes. There was no catheters. He was just chopped in half. Babies come from a face tattooed horned stork. <laughs> 
Dark science. Secrets only the Sith knew. All right, let's move on. A certain point of view. Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. A couple of these are legit. A couple of these are just for fun. I have to say right off the top. Number one, I think it's hilarious how Din can just find a babysitter whenever the hell he wants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also think it's funny that they just stroll into the school and plop down the child at a desk to go talk business. Like, admissions and enrollment. It's a do-whatever-the-fuck-you-want sort of policy for magistrates, apparently. You can just walk and say, hey, this kid goes here now. Yeah. See you later. It's convenient. They're gonna, the, there's going to be convenient daycare in a lot of yeah. these episodes, I think. There was just a moment there that wasn't great writing-wise because I, I think I've watched the episode three times at this point, and it seems like Kara and Grief are speaking about their plan as if Din already knows. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, that's like bad writing there. Yeah, They're I like, think... He'll be safe here. We can't bring the kid where we're going. It's like, well, Din doesn't know where you're going. Right. Like, it's, it's weird right. dialogue there. I think that when they started the show and they all had like the brain gasm of baby Yoda. Great. But now you're in it. <laughs> and like, yeah. there's practical issues with going to storm a base full of stormtroopers where like yeah. evil Sith cloning is going down and having an infant with you or a toddler with you. So there's just going to be a lot of bullshit writing. I think a lot of times to be like, well, we got to get out of this book and to up again. Like it's that Western, <laughs> like, you know, episodic, like, well, the, the child's going to get tossed off somewhere while they go. Yeah. You know, Jennifer's in the DeLorean. She's going to the future. You got to put her somewhere. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we'll throw her on the porch. So that is what it is. But I just thought it was hilarious how they just like, at no point was the teacher like Fogel. Hi. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you're not in this class, please leave this class, you know, <laughs> or whatever. It was a hoot. This one still like legitimately bugs me. Mithral doesn't have a name, just a species. Yeah. Just, hey, color guy. Yeah. They, they call him by his species. Shine my shoes. Yeah. Same thing with the weak way in, in yeah. uh, chapter nine. Kind of weird. Not a good look. I wonder what the thinking behind that is. There's something strange about it too, because Frog Lady, Frog Man, it's like everything yeah. in Star Wars has a name. Why don't these people? Yeah. <laughs> We talked about this a little bit already, just the idea of like the adventure of the week, Din yet again being asked to just do a mission. He's the utility man. Yeah. I think until we potentially get into arcs and kind of part one, part two, part three kind of things, it's going to be that way. I think it's going to continue to be that way here and there regardless. But sometimes it is like, really again, if you want this, you got to do this. You know, you know, in hopes that it does go the way of the arc. And we talk all the time on the show about Star Wars being for children. Like literally Lucas, Favreau, everyone will tell you to their face. I, I'm stoked you like it. You <laughs> creepy old dudes who talk about Star Wars. Like, cool. What, what else you got going on in your life? Yeah. <laughs> I'm stoked you like it, but we make this for kids. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of like the point I'm trying to make. I'm, I'm proud of my yeah. nerd. I don't, I don't care. But it's like he would say that. They would all say that. So I think... Where we're at so far with this kind of grand undertaking that is The Mandalorian, the first live action Star Wars television show, we're hooking the kids in, you know, for a longer ride. Very much like The Clone Wars, in my mind, did. It gets less disposable as as the show goes on. Mm -hmm. I can't remember on the list of shows I'm watching which season. I think it's four there's only like three or four episodes from season four on the list. So maybe, you know, there's a lot, sounds like there's a lot of disposable information in season four, but nonetheless, the arc that I watched was like Darth Maul coming back to life. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. And there's a big tonal shift as well. Right. There's a big tonal shift. So you're, you're hooking the, the kids in with the monster of the week and the adventure of the week. And then that way 
as the show evolves and progresses towards its climax and eventual finale, at that point, kids are just watching because it's Mando. Right, right. And, and we are really happy as 40-year-old fans <laughs> that yeah. like they're getting into that stuff. You know, So I don't know. I hope that's what's going on. And, and I hope that the way the last two weeks track being not very adventure monster of the week, like, yeah, this one had an adventure vibe, but it's still had a lot of deep knowledge and, and, you know, empire and cloning and all those things. So I hope that's what's going on. I hope they're just, they were kind of putting bait out there to catch young minds and get them excited about monsters and dragons and everything. And then after that, it's just all Star Wars and Force and Jedi. Right. Yeah, I think it's definitely a hard thing for Star Wars, but I mean, they created this atmosphere for themselves. It's It has to be a lot of different things to a lot of different people all at once. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a rarefied air for them to be in because they're so such a generational institute, but they have to care about actual little children right now. Then they have to care about the next generation, which is like Clone Wars and prequel people on top of caring about us, and then sequel people. It's a crazy situation to be in, but I feel like they're doing the best they can, but we'll see. Right now, everyone's pretty much on board for The Mandalorian, so good for them. Once again, all decisions above our pay grades. Mm-hmm. Yes. This last one's for you, Ryan. <laughs> I saw it. Not as bad this time, but some more <laughs> map shenanigans. Yeah, man. It's just, you know, I mean, I think in, in the original trilogy and in, in the sequel trilogy, the, the prequels, there wasn't, Correct me if I'm wrong. There's not a lot of like on world we're hopping from one. It's like they're they're hopping from world to world, from system to system. Right, right. And I think in the OT and the sequel trilogy, that's kind of the same vibe. Like on on Tatooine when they when they're moving around, it's like they're going between Luke's house and Mos Eisley. You know what I mean? Like down the street. Yeah. Right. But this is multiple times now where let's spin up the giant globe and hop in an air-powered floating speeder that has no roof on it to travel what looks to be like thousands of miles or kilometers to the other side of another pole of this planet. It definitely weirds me out. This one, I, I watched it closely again a couple times in a row, and it looks like she pulls it up and she's like, Okay, here's the the area that we mess with in general. Here's where we are. And she kind of points down by the thing. And then she's like, here's the thing. And taps on it. And doesn't move too far. So it seems like it works out. Nonetheless, never have I ever opened up (laughs) Apple Maps or Google. And it just shows me the globe first. Like, I see South St. Louis City. You know what I mean? So it's just weird, man. It's like, uh, can you can you Google Pizza Hut for me? Yeah, let me pull up the planet map. And we'll never know how far they're really going, but it's Star Wars, it's, so you want to see the holographic globe, you know? Right. All right, let's talk um, real nerd stuff. For over a thousand generations. It is the dark side. Oh, gosh. It's a Calicori. A Sith Wayfinder. The dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Nicholas. The DN. Next DN. <laughs> Tell us some things. You know what was cool? We actually didn't bring this up yet. So the first thing you hear, it's a, a black screen. You hear the failing like hyperdrive of the Razor Crest. And it's yeah. the same noise as like the failing hyperdrive on the Falcon. Yeah, it's like spinning down. You actually hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear that before you see a visual. Very cool. 
But really, that's the first, like, I feel like first Easter egg thing in the show until you get into the covert and you have that, like, uh, Panda Baba, which is the, the species, the dude who uh, gets his arm cut off by Obi-Wan yeah. in the cantina. That's an Aqualish is the species. He doesn't like you. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, they're just turds, just like the Quarren. All of them. Unlikable people. So, yeah, Aqualish. That's what that species is called. Another thing I had a really... Uh, turn on the subtitles for the alien mechanic the shady one uh, he's mimbanese he's from mimban which is the mud planet from the movie solo i don't know if that's the only species that lives on that mud planet but that one for sure is is it the one where han was in the trenches when he yeah, first when meets? he was like in the empire yeah where he, where he meets chewy yep Exactly. Yeah. And mentioning uh, Adam when you were, you're maybe a little upset that that little uh, meerkat looking thing was going to get its head cut off. We saw those previously. They're like little lava river meerkats. They were in chapter eight. Oh, yeah, that oh, yeah, thing yeah. had straight up exorcist eyes, man. Yeah. <laughs> lava, lava eyes. eyes. Oh, yeah. There it is. Uh, real quickly, I'm surprised they didn't make a bigger deal of this, but in the background, you see a statue of IG-11 in like the town square of Navarro now. Because I guess there's a little bit of lore there that he came and saved the day. That's so dope. Yeah, it's, it's, they really didn't make a big deal of it. It's almost like kind of missable if you're paying attention to like the foreground because it's away in the background. Anyone have a thought on the macarons being blue milk? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that was my thought. It's certainly blue milk when he pukes it up. Yeah. <laughs> They got to sell those things at this point, right? Yeah. That's 100% why they put those in the show. Yeah. <laughs> Someone on high came downstairs and said, could we please work in a food item? Please. I can't yeah. sell the soup. The bone <laughs> soup is not going to sell. Give me yeah. something. And they were like, give me some cookies. What about blue milk cookies? Once we're in that classroom, there's definitely a bunch of stuff. Again, where if you turn on the subtitles, you could hear the protocol droid speaking. But one thing I noticed right away on first viewing is one of the students has like three little hair buns like Ray, which I thought was pretty rad. Dude. Um, dude. Pretty just, that's the... I mean, no way, but She dude. was ahead of, she was, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's not, it doesn't make sense time-wise that it would be Ray, but it's a hairstyle that lasted a couple of decades because what are we, like 25 years out from Ray, basically? Yeah. So, yeah. So once you turn on the uh, subtitles, you could hear, which is background noise, the protocol droid going through uh, its... its curriculum. There's a lot of mentions of the Karelian run as a trade route. The New Republic capital is Chandrilla. And then they mention the Maelstrom also from Solo. Very cool. And these are just so background. Like you hear just totally in the background that protocol droid is talking. But until you turn on the subtitles, you get all these references for all of us giant nerds. So into it. Yeah, I dig it. A little bit of a backstory for the Mithral. Apparently, he had previously worked for Grief, but was kind of embezzling money and maybe skipped out of town. And that seems likely that Grief was the actual one who put the bounty out for Mithral. And now he's just paying off a life debt for 350 years. It's pretty messed up. And it's a total bargaining chip, huh? Like Grief's like, I'll take 30 years off. I'll take 100 years <laughs> off. <laughs> it is pretty messed up, though, on the scales of like uh, progressiveness and up old ways. I mean, it's like, yeah, we're cleaning up this town. Yeah, we got schools here, but... Also, indentured servitude, Yeah, it's still cool. Yeah, It's all right. It's how we work. And it's a human owning like another species. Yeah. strange. What else we got here? Speaking of the Mithral still, he was in Carbonite, obviously, last we saw him. And uh, he does complain about not being able to see out of his left eye, which is a, <laughs> a symptom of being in Carbonite, hibernation sickness, just like Han Solo couldn't see all the way back on Tatooine and in, in Return of the Jedi. I love that. Were you surprised when it wound up being Horatio Sands was the actor? Yeah, I had no idea. I still can't really tell. Yeah, you can't tell in the show. Totally not. I don't think. 
at all. I know him strictly from Saturday Night Live, just like everybody else. I'm sure he has somewhat of a career afterwards, but it just doesn't, it's still that I know it's him and I can't tell that it's him. He does, on SNL, it seems like he sort of does that over-the-top cartoonish version of himself at all times. It's almost like he's in character every second he's on that show. He's got that like Chris Farley, Belushi, Andy Kaufman thing, like just Mm -hmm. nonstop. Always on 11. But in this role, it, his voice is totally different. His, yeah, like the voice is like not a giveaway. But it's not processed. It's mm-hmm. just him talking, but it's like he just has really good control over his voice as an actor. Uh, moving along into the uh, Imperial base that is so awesomely shoved into the side so of that canyon there. Good. I love it. Everything inside of it too, the buttons and the light. It's yeah, just, yeah. Ugh, Perfect. So sick. Of course, where the reactor controls are, it looks exactly like when Obi Wan was on the Death Star. There's no, uh, there's no guardrail. There's here. no railing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good. It's like maybe put a railing in. Nah, we're good. It's pretty fun how they're making fun of stuff like that, though. It really is. It's so yeah. good. There's no railing. Stormtroopers still can't shoot. <laughs> we don't have to worry about these things. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so when Din is coming and saves the day, a la Han Solo. When he's going to take out that last TIE fighter, he starts spinning the Razor Crest a lot like Kylo, a lot like a Skywalker. So you heard it here first, Din Djarin, Skywalker, confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few really quick screen wipes. Did you guys notice them? Because they're very quick. Like like old school editing style yeah, screen yeah, wipes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. I haven't noticed them. Like They were so quick that I'm like, wait, have they always been in The Mandalorian? I don't remember. There have been a, a, a few, but he definitely used them intentionally, it seemed like, yeah. on this one. I did read somewhere on, I don't remember, or maybe I watched a YouTube video where someone was just like, yeah, they only had so much hallway. So if they're going to keep running down the hallway but make it seem like yeah. it's a long hallway, they just kind of did these quick screen, right. screen, can't say screen wipes. They did these really quick oh god damn it. <laughs> just leave screen this wipes. Leave, they did screen wipes leave this in the episode please <laughs> nick trying to say screen wipes please <laughs> this really technical term called screen wipes that's <laughs> uh, oh, so good <laughs> And Grief is talking about Core Worlds. He mentions Coruscant. Very cool. It was really cool when uh, we had the X-Wing pilot, Carson Teva, asking Cara Dune about Alderaan. I love this. Asking if she lost anyone, which my first immediate thought was like, yeah, she probably lost everybody. If she's here with you, then she probably lost everyone else. So that was her answer. It was like, yeah, I lost everyone. So it it was pretty impactful. But I kind of assumed it was like almost like, to me, it was almost like a dumb question. Like, yeah, of course she did. What do you guys think of Dr. Pershing using the term M count? Very obviously that means midichlorians. For sure. <laughs> Love it. Immediately was yeah. that that's when I started to just even if I was I was watching it if I wasn't right away like ooh palps. Yeah. When he said that M count and all mm-hmm. that I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, this is fully dark science." Yeah. <laughs> Things only the Sith know. <laughs> I know I'm a bit of an outlier for my age group, but I'm all in on midichlorians. I'm about it. So this made me super stoked. It's never bothered me at all. I, I, yeah, I like, me neither. I've always Not thought something. it was an incredible plot device. So you have the idea in your head. You're already taking from all major religious stories, all fascist empires and freedom loving nations and all to, to write your space opera. And the way that the Christ figure in the story is going to come to be and then not be the Christ figure because he's also going to be an evil man that needs redemption beyond anything that is in the old Bible. So there's going to be this immaculate conception with midichlorian. Like all of that is so sick to my brain. It was just in the prequels though. 
<laughs> but I love midichlorian. I love the idea of it. So I don't think you're, I don't know if you're outnumbered or like alone or whatever you said, like alone on an island there, Adam. Like, I think if you think about it, it's a brilliant concept. And like, I love that Anakin was an immaculate conception conceived by the force and all that's freaking sick. Officially, thank the maker is pro midichlorian. <laughs> I think there's work to be done and Mandalorian is helping do that. And, you know, you're watching Clone Wars. Clone Wars helps Agreed. just make the prequels like anywhere the prequels fell flat on its face. All these other like animation, Mandalorian, it's all helping it all kind of hoist it up. Totally. Mortis. Mortis, bro. Oh, Mortis. Mm. Mm. Oh, God and Lucifer and just. Uh. So where did we first see Pershing? Chapter one, chapter two? I don't remember, but everyone was like, look at that patch on his jacket. This is yeah, confirmed yeah. now that the patch on the jacket is sort of geneticist, definitely a cloner insignia, which is rad. And here's one thing which could totally be just a total red herring. One of those figures that was floating in that in, in the liquid in that lab looked like it had a scar on its head. So if you really want to talk about, you know, Snoke and where this is all heading, that was a little bit of a, a interesting thing for it to have like a kind of a dent or a scar on its head. So. I mean, dude, we have uh, it's so mind blowing because you have Andy Serkis and you have Ian McDermott, like you have these guys around. It's up to you. It's mm -hmm. up to you, John. Yeah. But yep. if you wanted to go that far and like get that hardcore, yeah, we could... This show could end three seasons from now with like Snoke stepping out of the tank. Yeah. And like the whole thing, you know, like the whole thing. Or with a fucking hollow from Palpatine on Exegol. Yes, dude. And, and it starts to make you think with these episodes, especially the last two, that they're not afraid to do that. Like, yeah, yeah. they really might go that far because they know how much we will flip over it and if it's done right. And so far they've done everything right. So mm -hmm. there's no reason I think they wouldn't. And I think it's going to be a bandage or a tourniquet for the bleeding for so many people that are so pissed off about yeah. what went down in the sequels, you know, like. But there, there's, again, and I'm sure I've said this on the show too. I mean, I literally just said it two minutes ago. What the Clone Wars and Mandalorian are doing, helping the prequels, there's going to be that for the sequels. And the Mandalorian is for like sure. bridging the gap for all of this. So yeah. like every Everyone, it helped calm me down when I realized that Star Wars does the broad paint strokes. Here's Rey, here's Kylo, Han and Leia had a kid, he's a bad guy now. Here's all the broad strokes. And now we get to have like years of exposition, I feel like, which yep. is awesome. Yeah. And it seemed, I was just making the point that it seems like they are, they, they ain't scared. Yeah. Like they're just yeah. getting to throw it all out there. Get, mm -hmm. Every week is more, I mean, look, Ahsoka Tano is a huge drop, a huge reveal, right? But that's pretty deep. Like, there's a lot of people out there that love the Mandalorian that have no idea who she is. Yeah. It's just going to be a Jedi. And it's going to be done well so where she's just a Jedi. And you're going to be like, oh, cool, it's a Jedi if you're a, a casual viewer. But for us, knowing that, that pulls out all the stops, dude. That's like, we're not afraid to bring anyone from the franchise into this if mm -hmm. it makes sense for the, for the exposition. And I think in this period between Jedi and Force Awakens, Palpatine and Snoke and all that all happens here. That all works here. So I, I, this episode was big time, dude. Yeah. It yeah. really was. And think about, I mean, we're halfway through and we didn't get into the Jedi. Like I said it on the show last week, introducing Ahsoka means introducing the Skywalkers. Like she has to yeah. explain yep. her feelings on Anakin being Darth Vader and then Anakin's son just like saved the universe, saved the galaxy. Like, not that I expect that to happen in chapter 13, but like bringing Ahsoka into the live action galaxy, this stuff needs to be explained eventually. 
Yeah. Well, dude, that's what she's here for, ultimately. Because it's not like, hey, you left your phone at this coffee shop. Here it is. It's like, hey, here's this kid who has this power that I don't understand. It's this whole side of existence that I know nothing about. I'm the hero of this whole story. He's not just dropping this kid off at her doorstep. Like, Mm -hmm. this is opening her door which is a door to a whole other world. And like how closed off is she? Is she Luke on Octo? Is she like, where is she at? It all has to be explained. Mm -hmm. So sick. And again, just to everyone like out there needs to like temper their expectations. That's not, if that happens in 45 minutes of chapter 13, my head's going to explode. It's not going to (laughs) happen. But hopefully it does eventually. Well, you're a doctor now. You can put it back together. Yeah. Yeah. I preemptively... Went to school, University of Phoenix, became a doctor. <laughs> so I knew my head <laughs> to was going to explode. Ready for your head to explode. <laughs> oh, God, I love it. I'm so pumped. Uh, speaking of. I love you. I know. Let's talk about favorite scenes and favorite quotes again. <laughs> Faves. <laughs> we, well, uh, we got some official ones, though. E- I'll just easy go with one. Just one, you know, my favorite thing. I, you guys can see me. Listeners cannot. I'm not kidding. When the TIE fighters came down, that whole trench run battle, I was on the couch like this. <laughs> to the point that I noticed it. You know what I mean? Like I went, your face looks like this. <laughs> I was so into it, dude. So there's like story moving forward parts that are definitely amazing. I, I've, I think I've said the word cloning 50 times in this episode. I loved that and was like, yes, yes, yes. That's what's happening. But <laughs> Just the full-on Star Wars porn, as we call it here, of those TIE fighters chasing them through that canyon. And then into the Razorcrest swooping in too. But like, I don't know, that whole sequence was just so reassuring that they are doing just the most pure, unadulterated Star Wars on this show. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what that moment felt to me. It was just, I was a kid. I was a little kid, like wanting to pew pew. (laughs) Go on those adventures. Yes. So that was my favorite. I don't, I don't know about quote. I don't think I have a favorite quote. The whole sequence with Pershing talking about the cloning and, and the M count and stuff for sure. But I don't remember like a standout, oh, that quote, <laughs> may the force be with you getting dropped. Yeah. Like it wasn't that. Right. So I would just say like that was my favorite moment for sure was the, was the kind of final sequence of that TIE fighter battle. At first it was the speeder bikes. I was like, this is amazing. And I would say that was my favorite, but then they brought the TIE fighters in and outdid themselves within a five minute period. I just thought of a question that it should not be part of this segment, but so at the beginning when they're both the child and Din are sitting in the razor crest and they're sipping on soup and Din like kind of takes his helmet off a little bit to yep. sip the soup. Yeah. Yeah. Has the child never seen his face? Because I feel like he was kind of trying to look and be like, what's what's under there, buddy? I don't think he has. Yeah, because he was already down the chute, right? In, yeah. In the thing. I don't think he has because the, the yeah. child would count as a living thing. I've never taken it off in front of another living thing. That was a great subtle character development moment. Yeah, I love it. What if the child finally sees his face and is like, uh, like SpongeBob, like, all right, I'm out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not into your face. I'm out of here. You just put this in the note, Adam. Is that, that's my quote. I'm not a joiner blue. It's a good one, dude. That one stuck with me. It stuck with me. So yeah, it was pretty good. And it's a throwback to DJ in Last Jedi, you know? Live free, don't join. Is that what he says? Something like that, yeah. That's very dope. I mean, don't join. Yeah. That's his initials. And is blue just like cop? Is that what that means? Or rebel, probably. Blue, yeah. Okay. I mean, if the fascists are on the right and the rebels yeah, yeah. are on the left, that's <laughs> red and blue. What about you, Nick? What are, what are your favorites? 
for sure, I got the most excited scene-wise for the lab. That definitely got me stoked because I just feel like that's another huge storyline. And so much of loving Star Wars on a deep level is like theorizing and speculating. And so much speculating in the last year was exactly that. And I don't know, in a weird way, it just feels good to be like, not that any of us are right, but like in the ballpark of being right, yeah. you know, we all were like following the clues. Like my, my girlfriend loves going and doing escape rooms. So like, like watching Star Wars and looking for clues is like escape room-esque, you know? So it's like you see the patch in chapter one or two on Pershing's jacket. Is that a cloner patch? Oh, my goodness. And then you finally get like, we can't confirm 100% right now that that's what's happening, but it really seems likely. So I, I kind of, that, that lab scene just opened up a whole other like full-on wormhole of where the Mandalorian's going, which is awesome. What about a quote? What is baby, what is the child's? That's my favorite quote. I got a few, actually, like for an episode that wasn't all that quotable, you know, aside from the, from the seeds planted was kind of a pew pew episode. I do have a bunch that I really loved from stuff I've read. Some people don't seem to love so much, just like the chase away from the base that leads into the dogfight. But I was super into it being like a kid who grew up on Indiana Jones and the last crusade. It was so much like that you know, like a, a fast-paced version of, of that one with mm-hmm. Indy on the tank. You know what I mean? Yeah. Total vibes of that that just really got me stoked. And then the dogfight itself was so straight-up Top Gun dogfight Yeah, I was in. And Din being a badass pilot. He's like such a multifaceted badass. You know, he's not just good at beating people up. He's not just good at flying. Like, dude can pull out a toolbox and fix a hole in the side of a ship. <laughs> yeah. to get it to go back into space. Wait until we find out he's, his M count is really high. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Din Skywalker. Dude, I'm fully of the mind that Han Solo, Poe Dameron, anyone who is badass in Star Wars has a high midichlorian count. Yeah. They just haven't focused it and trained on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, and I love that. I love how The Last Jedi specifically kind of just broke down those traditional ideas of... Jedi and Sith and nothing else. Mm-hmm. I'm all about Din and his high midichlorian count in the cockpit. I'm about that. Was that one move uh, when he, fi- I think he finally blew up that last TIE fighter and he kind of like the razor crest go- goes up into the sky and it sounds like he shuts the engines off. Is that a Top Gun move? I mean, it sounds like he shuts the, the engines off. It gets super quiet. I'm going to hit the brakes. I'll fly right by. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. that move though. It was kind of like, you know, he kind of, it was almost like reached like a critical gravity point where it was just like, I'm shutting the engines off and it's going to kind of just, the razor crest is going to stop and then finally go back down and then he turned the engines back on. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, shutting down engines could sort of work as like an air break in a mm-hmm. way. So yeah, same vibes. Pete Mitchell. And then quote wise... I guess, you know what, this is a moment also. I'll call this a moment. It's between a quote and a scene. The conversation between Kara and the X-Wing pilot, mm-hmm. that legitimately made me tear up. It was amazing. Just even the mention of Alderaan and, and losing everyone, of course, brought me back to Leia, which is an instant waterwork session. So mm-hmm. I was super into that. And then her quote, I'm not a joiner blue, maybe my favorite. I like all the banter with the Mithral some good stuff and we and we have it in favorite quotes you know as nominees but as a straight up quote i'm not a joiner blue funny enough that's my favorite it's good it, it like holds a lot of weight with the politics 
in a good way. As we mm-hmm. talk about all the time, execution. That's good execution of Star Wars politics. All right, let's hand out medals. Here they are, boys and girls. Favorite scenes and favorite quotes. As always, we polled the patrons. If you weren't polled, if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, you can go to patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod and become a patron and participate in these polls and submit questions, episode content, all the good stuff. Get involved. And coming soon, more cool shit. All right, favorite scenes, five nominees. First, the child helping Din rewire the razor crest. How did I not mention that in my favorites? I <laughs> loved that scene. It was incredible. Again, perfect balance of humor. Number two, the child in class using the force to steal cookies. Number three, Din, Grief, and Kara discovering the lab. Number four, Din and the Razor Crest coming to the rescue, the dogfight with the TIE Fighters. And number five, Moff Gideon with the mystery droid troopers. The winner with 48% of the vote, Din and the Razor Crest coming to the rescue, the dogfight with the TIE Fighters. Action. The action scene. Pew pew Star Wars porn. (laughs) Second place with 28%, the child helping Din rewire the Razor Crest. That's me. Kind of like a like a cold open. There's definitely a lot of like modern action movie story tropes, I want to say. Like a cold open. Yeah, yeah. There was like almost like mm-hmm. two post-credit scenes in this, you know? Like it, it was, mm-hmm. the talk about Alderaan was almost like a post-credit scene. And then there was the Moff Gideon post-credit scene. Kind of weird. It's a format, but didn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> no, I love it. No votes for Dan Grief and Kara discovering the lab. That was a big moment. Yeah. Anyway. I think I agree with you, patrons. Good job. Good job agreeing with me, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite quotes. Number one, Grief Karga and the Child. Has Mando been taking good care of you, huh? Have you been taking good care of him? Yeah. Yeah, he said yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Number two, Grief Karga. They should leave the Outer Rim alone. If the Empire couldn't settle it, what makes them think they can? Number three, Mithral who hopefully gets a name one day. Magistrate Cargo was generous enough to let me work off my debt. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> 350 years, but who's counting? Number four. Grief Cargo, Mithral, and Caradun. Are you coming in or what? I'll take my chances down here, but thank you. Well, when the lava tide comes in, give us a holler. We'll drop you a rope. And lastly, number five. Carson Teva and Caradun. Says here you're from Alderaan. I served during Alderaan. you lose anyone? I lost everyone. And the winner with 41% of the vote is Carson and Kara talking about Alderaan. Heavy stuff. I wonder if it's going to go anywhere. Can you believe that the Red Hot Chili Peppers put the planet Alderaan in their fucking song? How crazy is that? What song? Californication. Yeah. They literally say Alderaan's not far away. It's Californication. Oh, whoa. I never noticed that. Yeah, that's not cool. (laughs) I wonder if they're going to go anywhere with her lineage from Alderaan. Yeah. If she's connected in some way to something cool, you know? Yeah. Someone there that we know. I don't know. Second place with 29% of the vote. Grief Karga talking about the Outer Rim and the Empire getting the heck out. Interesting spread. No votes for the comedy bit. Mithral talking about 350 years, but who's counting? 
Yeah, I feel like I was just like doing math. I was like, wait a minute. If you're going to live for that long, but grief's a human, so who's going to... Yeah, it was a lot. Uh, That's funny. (laughs) Indentured servitude. So funny. (laughs) All right. We went a little long in this one because... Well, we had a a Clone Wars tangent. We we basically had a conversation about Clone Wars in the middle of a Mandalorian. Clone Wars minisode. Yeah, we had a Clone Wars (laughs) minisode in the Mandalorian episode. So I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad at it at all. I love that. Shall I roll with my quote of the week? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Hit us with it. Okay, I found one that I want to use. So I feel a growing sense of shame and guilt for the negativity that came out of my mouth regarding episodes one, two, and three tonight on the podcast. And I want everyone to know that not tonight, but very shortly, I'm going to watch episode three because I, I need to remember that there's goodness there and remind myself. There's still good in him. There's still good in them. In them. <laughs> and so that's going to happen. But I don't want you to take my disapproval for the filmmaking. I don't want that to be taken as a judgment for those who enjoy them because I don't. I don't judge you. I love I love the sequel trilogy and I come I'm sure I'm judged. So I feel that and I don't I don't want that to be. Like my opinion about it has no bearing or weight on your opinion as a fan. So I found a great quote from our old pal Ray Carson. She writes a bunch of cool books and wrote the Rise of Skywalker novelization. And I think this is a great quote from her. I went to look for a quote from her. I don't know why her name just popped in my head to go look for quotes this week, but I saw this one at like sort of towards the top of the list. I was like, that's perfect for what a shit talker I've been tonight. (laughs) So I'm closing it up with this. Ray Carson said, I don't care if it's twilight or 50 shades or war and peace. Never let someone make you ashamed of what you love to read. Love it. Or listen to or watch. Exactly. So that's from an author, but I think it applies here. Hell yeah. And I'm going to go watch episode three because I do. I feel bad. It's not our mission here. I love it. Revenge of the Sith. You love episode three. Love it. When you're through all of Clone Wars, you'll go back and watch it through completely different eyes. I can guarantee. Yeah. It changes everything. All right. This was a a good one. Welcome back, Ryan Key. You're welcome. I'm here for it. I'm glad I became a doctor to to undead you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a technical term. I'm kidding. you're You're not welcome. I didn't do anything. You guys know everything. I don't know shit. Not true. Sure you do. Listeners. If you're looking for the podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at ThankTheMakerPod, on Twitter at ThankTheMaker1, and mine personally is Adam the Skull on all the stuff. Cocky, prequel-hating guy over here. <laughs> I'm at William Ryan Key on the webs. You can find me at uh, webmd.com <laughs> slash Nick <Basin. laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Bayside. Thanks to everyone who's been writing, whether it's Star Wars DMs or whatever. Oh, also Bayside just put out a, or is releasing an EP. I feel like I should mention that. Please head to uh, BaysideStuff.com and look at merchandise EPs. We have a new song out. It's really rad. If you guys want to cry, watch the video that we put together for our new song. It's all, we, we asked our fans to send in like special moments from their life. And especially in this year, 2020, you watch oh. a bunch of people having like wholesome joy, you will cry. I'm going to watch that. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's really, really well done. Publix commercials make me cry, so <laughs> yeah. I'll probably, I'm probably yeah. pretty screwed in yeah. the scenario it's, you just mentioned. It's great. And there's just something just there's something special knowing that it's all like specifically Bayside fans. I'm like, oh, this is truly wholesome. Love that. 
And like we said at the top of the episode, if you want to be a part of this podcast more directly, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thinktomakerpod. You can vote on these polls for the favorite quotes, favorite scenes, and so on. Submit quotes, submit questions, all kinds of stuff. Do the AMA episodes, patreon.com slash thinktomakerpod. Thanks for listening, and until next time, may the force be with you. Thank you.